You're listening to Flying Casual, a Star Wars podcast. Here's your host, Michael Canterbury. Hey there, everyone. Welcome back to Flying Casual, a lifestyle podcast that just so happens to talk about Star Wars. Uh, Holly, is that, does that sound like an accurate description of the podcast? I think that for most people, Star Wars is a lifestyle. Yeah. So I would have to agree that that is an accurate description. Are we one of those people, though? Uh, one of us may be one of those people. Well, who's... who's... I, which one is that? I don't know, <laughs> to be honest. It's probably you. I mean, you. you have ink on you. That's true. I do have a Star Wars tattoo. Yeah. That's a good point. That's a good argument for yeah. me being... Star Warsy. Yeah, I mean, I've been talking about getting a big Boba Fett on my back, but I haven't. I thought you were going to get a tramp stamp of Cad Bane. Wait, once again, I don't know if that's the most appropriate reference for a tattoo on your lower back, but so we're reclaiming that, right? Tramp stamp is not a bad thing anymore. I just reclaimed it. It's not a bad thing. It's trendy. <laughs> you could get Cad yeah. Bane in like a wreath of roses oh, holding his... Blaster. Yeah. What did you? What were you going with there? Were you going to say pistol or? <laughs> yeah, I don't know what I. You realize we were a Star Wars podcast at that point, and not truly a lifestyle podcast. I don't know. I think it really is a little bit of both. It is a little bit of. It both. depends on who you ask. No, you're absolutely right. Uh, guys, well, welcome. Uh, it's me, Michael. I got Holly here at the table with me. Uh, Luke currently on vacation. Must be nice, Holly. Hey, we'll be on vacation soon. Yeah, I know. I'm already putting the tank on right now because it's 97 degrees outside. I was going to say. Up here. Yeah, it's pretty appropriate <laughs> Michael, for the podcast. Michael's got the right to bear arms today. Wow. That's kind of <laughs> sexy. That's actually that I can't. That yeah. was Michelle Obama before anybody else. And you're you're meaning that like I the guns are out, you know, not that I have bare arms, right? Well, you do have bare arms. No, you have bare arms. Yeah. See, Michael, it's a joke. Not like the animal, but they're bare at this point, exactly. right? Like they're, there's so, no sleeve. There's no yeah. sleeve, so your arms are bare. Yeah. But also your arms could be called the gun show, and yeah. so you have the right to bare arms. See, it has double meaning. Pretty jacked with the, all these compliments that you're giving me. I'm still a little insecure, <laughs> so I'm probably going to keep my arms under the table for the viewers. That's okay. Michelle Obama's the one who has the actual... Oh, I don't. Right com- to bear arms. I don't compete with Michelle Obama at all. Nobody in competes any with aspect. Michelle. Yeah, that's no. absolutely true. Absolutely, guys. So who knows? This podcast may just become a lifestyle podcast. It may become anything we want it to be. We just happen to talk about Star Wars a lot. But sometimes when it's just me and Holly, I just like to talk about anything. You know, I yeah. think I kind of feel like it. Come on, Star Wars has infiltrated everything. You go to. Yeah. William Sonoma and they have a whole Star Wars line. What's William of, Sonoma again? Is that like a It's m- like a it's a kitchen store. It's okay. a very high end kitchen store. Okay. So you can get um oh god, you can get dishes that are like six hundred dollars that are Star wow. Wars themed. You can get why are you spatulas, going into places where dishes makers. cost six hundred dollars? Well, I'm just saying as an example. Okay. There's no surprise purchases, you know, that I should be aware of. A six hundred dollar crock pot or something. I don't, I don't even know if that would be at William Sonoma. Probably not. Yeah, That's yeah. the poor man's. No, they have crock pots at William yeah. Sonoma. I think the rich people are claiming the quick meals, but now I guess Those they're bastards. calling them instant pots. Oh, because they're working so hard that they don't have time to cook. Is that what? Is, are they taking that too, Holly? Yeah. Oh, and man. Star Wars. They took it with them. 
Yeah. Well, I'm not hating on rich people. You know, but I mean, more power to you. But. I mean, we have a Star yeah. Wars rug. We have lots of Star Wars art. So yeah. really, I mean, look behind you on the wall. It could be considered a lifestyle. Well, we had a uh, we have a podcast formerly known as a Star Wars podcast. <laughs> Maybe a lifestyle well, podcast. I have a question, though. If we do become a lifestyle podcast, could we start reviewing like Tupperware from William Sonoma? Oh, I... <laughs> Yes. They don't sell Tupperware at oh. Williams-Sonoma. Of course they don't because plastic is but. the poor man's <laughs> utensils and, and, and cookware. Holly, you go ahead. Me. Uh, yeah. Yes, me. I have Star Wars Tupperware containers. They're downstairs in the kitchen. Yes. Yeah, and a bad habit you used to have was putting the plastics in the dishwasher, and I had to put it into that. Um, the microwave, too. Yeah, you can't <laughs> put that crap in, in the microwave or the dishwasher. Sometimes you put it in the microwave and it like melts the top a little. It adds a little something to your meal. A little crunch. That's disgusting. It's not healthy either. No, I guess it's not. And I don't know if that's been proven, but I, it can't be. We're a lifestyle podcast, and by lifestyle podcast, we mean health. Yeah, health and fitness. I, lifestyle is everything. I mean, literally has the word life in it. So it's it's literally anything you want it to be. You could be exercise. It could be fitness. It could be uh, how to how to how to play croquet. I, I you know I don't know. Have you ever played croquet? No. Listen. <laughs> imagine them putzing around the Jedi Academy awesome. on campus, yeah. playing a little game Wait, of croquet. Is putzing a technical term in croquet. Is this some like <laughs> like freaking northeast like Maine thing? You no. You, no? Those East Coast yuppies and yeah, their that's, that's fancy sports. Like Sorry, I don't croquet. have the terminology to be able to speak like a yuppie. So. Bocce ball. Bocce balls. Uh, we may have played. Did we play bocce ball? At yeah. It? Yeah, that was Bocce fun. ball is really fun. Yeah. It was a good time. I was pretty good at it, especially when it's the glow in the dark balls. Phrasing. Yeah. They light up your life. Uh, been told that a time or two. Phrasing. I'm <laughs> kidding. That's a joke. Um, well, Holly, let's let's get into the Star Wars. Since I think we have a pretty decent Star Wars um, uh, listenership, not so much for the Tupperware comments or the food reviews or the. I mean, they might reviews, not like but, that, but they just suffered through five minutes of it, and they yeah. can get over it. Well, get over it and get used to it, because there's going to be a lot more of it. It may just become all of that, and we may give up on Star Wars. I don't know. Well, we did do. Sorry, we're not talking about lifestyle. No, anymore. no, go ahead, get, please, and get it out. Yeah, I, I mean, we've done some other stuff, like for the patrons. Like we've done, yeah. did I say that right? Patrons. Well, they're patrons <laughs> um, okay. on Patreon, but you're getting there. It's hey, <laughs> practice makes perfect. You know. Okay. Yeah. The patrons. Yes. Of our podcast. Yes. Oh, uh, we've done like Star Wars Bake Offs. Well, and attempted, and you know, didn't have as many people participate as we would have liked, but. We've made Star... Oh, you know what's so fun? Yeah. You can make those little... I make... You go to Michael's and you can get... I've heard of Michael's. Okay. Yes. And you can get those chocolates that you can melt. And okay. you, I get them in green and blue and then you melt them on the stove so they're like, you know, soft. Yeah. And then you take one of those pretzel sticks and you dip it in whatever color you have. And then when it dries, it looks like a little lightsaber. Well, that's pretty. Why didn't you share this information with the patrons? And some they would have given people some ideas. It's not my responsibility to yeah. give our patrons ideas You're for right. competition. You're right. They're creative folks. They can think of it on their they own. They are creative folks. We still actually need to reveal uh, Nettie's video that he submitted because it's the funniest thing I've ever seen. Oh, it's Nettie, hilarious. Nettie is just, uh, he's a great 
freaking guy and he's so <laughs> funny in that video Nettie was top notch we need to get that out there to the group um we never put the compilation together because everyone was busy in covid and i think some people just didn't know how to bake a cake i mean it's i think hard. i think that's actually what it was um and i i mean i i wasn't bragging or anything when i when i showed everyone my lost cake you know, that I made for you. That was pretty impressive. Even had the polar bear on the island. I did. It was very impressive. Um, anyway, so, you know, check out the Patreon stuff if you'd like, guys. Um, Holly and I are wanting to get a little more into that. Life's just crazy. Um, but we'll, we'll get some extra material on there on there for you. Um, some good stuff from Holly. There's still a lot that Holly needs to watch. Holly needs to watch The Battle for Endor. You need to watch the droid animated series. There's just so much oh, that's available now that I you think- haven't seen. <clears throat> I think that Brent posted a poster, a picture yes. of a poster yeah. on the Facebook group yeah. of the Ewok movies. Oh, yeah. So I'm guessing that one was the Battle of Endor and the poster looked terrifying. Oh, the Marauders are creepy. Oh, my God. They're so creepy. Or the Yuzenvong at one point. I think we were theorizing back in the day that those were the Yuzenvong and that this could very well be canon. How long have the Yuzenvong been around in literature? <sighs> Is this a literature podcast? Oh my god! We need it to is. change our category on Podbean. Okay, first of yeah. all, sir, we have a book club. We do have a book club. You're absolutely right about that. Uh, the Yuuzhan Vong have been around uh, in the expanded universe for a while. Early 2000s, I think, maybe is when they first made their appearance. I want to say, um, or late 90s. I can't remember. Interesting. They've been around for a while, but it's all legend stuff. But it really felt like these guys could have been the Yuuzhan Vong. They're creepy. They are. I I yeah. told Brent, I was like, this is the thing of nightmares. If you guys get the chance and um, you're in the group. Check out yeah. some of the posters that Brent posted because I don't know they're creepy. Oh, for sure. And there's a little more to the battle for Endor. It's still not a great production, but it's a little more entertaining than the Caravan of Courage. And it's 30 minutes of just you know landscape shots. Um, what was that? Yeah. Um, oh shoot, what was that show that? Uh, they just put on Disney Plus that was like... Um, biomes. Yeah. That was a good one. I enjoyed Biomes. I think that we, we were talking about Biomes, and then you brought up some of the landscape stuff yeah. that was in the Battle of Endor. Now, that's cool. Yeah. I'm glad they didn't show any of the, the Caravan of Courage stuff, because that's <laughs> a completely different ballgame. Anyway. Yeah. Uh, Star Wars Biomes was really cool, though. I would yes. like to get some more flyovers of some of the... Why not? Different planets and stuff, because, like, that's part of Star Wars. Like, that's... Part of the fun stuff of Star Wars is going mm-hmm. different places, not getting stuck on Tatooine for well, years. That's what we all say, but they tend to just give us the same thing over and over a lot of the times. Phrasing. But that's okay. Yeah, phrasing <laughs> on that one, yeah. Uh, yeah, usually that's a good thing. But, uh, Holly, so we're, we're back into Star Wars. I feel like we just kind of eased into Star Wars. Sometimes you got to kind of warm it up a little bit. You know what I'm saying? A Star Wars lifestyle podcast <laughs> is what we were kind of flirting with there. Um a couple, of, a couple of things we're going to talk about tonight. Um, one being the latest episode of The Bad Batch, uh, Bounty Lost, with our good friend Cad Bane and company, um, and Toto. I always forget his name. He had his own poster. And he should. Disney Plus put out should. a... They put out a promo poster for this episode that yeah. was literally just Toto. Yeah. <laughs> God bless him, too. <laughs> it's funny. It's um, cute. That was uh, a reference to uh, uh, Wizard of Oz, no? I think it's spelled oh. differently. Are I think Toto me? in Star Wars is 
T-O-D-O. I could be wrong. Oh, jeez. But then Toto, the dog, I think is T-O-T-O. I can't wait to get a bunch of Wizard of Oz hate now. Michael, have you ever even seen the movie? Keep politics out he of the He was a dog. Yeah, keep politics out of... He was a freaking dog, okay? Toto's the robot. Or a droid. Wow, am I even a Star Wars fan? You know the difference between a robot and a droid? Oh, That's okay. Yeah. I mean, on one episode, I yeah. claimed that Naboo was blown up a by the Death Star. You so, yeah. who's the real Star Wars well, fan? <laughs> we don't claim to be hardcores, you know? That's why it's flying casual. It's not flying hardcore. I don't like Usually that. Usually pay extra for hardcore. Oop. And this is a free podcast, so you, you get what you pay for, which is nothing, other than if you're one of our Patreon members, and we love you for that. Um. <laughs> But let's get, let's, so we're not going to actually, before we get into to Bounty Lost, Holly, I had something that I wanted to talk about. Let's hear it. Um, sometimes I make the mistake of getting on the internet. Bad idea. Okay, right? And, and, and usually it's frustrating. I mean, 95% of it is frustrating. And of course, whenever there's something new in Star Wars, you know, 90% of the crap you see is just hate. Um, and that's kind of what was happening with what I was seeing here. Uh, the AV Club did a... Uh, a uh, really fascinating uh, article with Leslie Headland, who is yes. the main writer, um, showrunner, I guess they're calling her, of The Acolyte, mm-hmm. which is taking place prior to The Phantom Menace. So really interesting time period. I forget how they were describing the show. Um, it but, was at the end of the High Republic era. Yeah, but they're calling it just kind of like, uh, I don't know, um, a thriller kind of, so to speak, it seems. So kind yeah. of a new genre that, that Star Wars doesn't seem to be uh, too familiar with. So that's fascinating in itself. Um, it's a mystery thriller. A mystery thriller. And I, I freaking love that. Um, and uh, who who posted the article at first? It was the, Charles. Charles posted, posted it in the, group. in the group. Yeah. So thanks for the heads up on that, Charles. Um, I don't know if I ever would have seen this. Um, but once I read it and then I started kind of looking for what people were saying about this. Uh, that's when I kind of got into the, uh, oh, we'll call it a shit storm. Um, but so this was a fascinating article. She seems like a really fascinating person. I'm not really familiar with any of her work. Um, I'm kind of intrigued now to go check it out at this point. But Well, you're familiar yeah. with The Bachelorette. Uh, was it the actual television show? And know. we weren't supposed to reveal that to the it's listeners. It's what IMDb said. Oh, boy. Well, let's hope it's an actual film or something. But if she's a writer on The Bachelorette, I'm down. And yeah, that's that's drama at its finest. Yeah, right. she's done a couple. Oops, I, guys, my computer, it's just oh. not working. You would think that I would just go get a new one. But well, you've been saying it for months. These so. are first world problems, and we're still in a recession. So Amen. Amen. Stick with this MacBook that just doesn't want to work for me. Recession, pandemic, it happens. Um, So this article was, I don't know, I thought it was fascinating. It talked about... Her history with Star Wars, she's obviously, the way she described herself, a huge fan. A fan so much as that she was talking about playing all the RPGs back in the day as a kid, uh, growing up watching Mm -hmm. VHSs of the original trilogy. I would like to correct myself. Correcting yourself. So The Bachelorette, she was a writer on The Bachelorette, but it actually looks like a movie that was released in 2012. She also did Sleeping with Other People, which was a film. Okay. And then... um, that has, I think, Jason Sudeikis in it, but love I, him. I could be wrong. Uh, and then, more recently, Russian Doll. Okay. Um, and her wife actually is one of the actors in Russian Doll. Very cool. 
Well, so I, I'm not familiar with any of that. Unfortunately, you know what? Maybe I'm not as interested if it's not the, the Bachelor TV show. I'm <laughs> kidding. That's a total joke, though I am a big fan. It's pure garbage television. I love it. Um, so it was really cool talking about her, her history with Star Wars and how much it means to her. She's obviously a big fan. You know, the type of person you expect to be kind of show running something uh, in Star Wars, obviously. Um, and, and she also talked about queer representation in, in, in media and how important it is kind of on screen and behind the screen. It was really fascinating. And, and she talked about, you know, when she's creating Star Wars, she, she wants, you know, she doesn't want things to be so black and white to where there's some, you know, everything is so definitive and you have these nutties out there that, you know, if they can't, you know, put it in an encyclopedia and, and quote, you know, every single uh, thing going on or may have reference to it, they, they, she's not doing that. It seems like she's going to keep things a little more open ended um, and up for interpretation, which is cool. It's 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 no different than how Mark Hamill has kind of spoken to his roles, Luke Skywalker. Yeah, because Mark Hamill said yeah. that's actually something that she brought up in her interview that I really liked is mm-hmm. her whole thing is that she wants people to be able to interpret work. Yeah. The way that it works for them. Exactly. And she quoted Mark Hamill who somebody asked him, you know, what do you have to say about all these people who are saying that Luke Skywalker is gay? And he yeah. said, if Luke, if their version of Luke Skywalker is gay, if Luke is gay to them, then he's gay. Yeah. Like who cares? Yeah. It doesn't, it doesn't matter. Like if that's the Luke that they can relate to, then that's the Luke that they're getting. Yeah. And that's, that's her, her, her angle here. That's, that's how you make star wars inclusive for people if it's open to interpretation and they relate to it in a certain way that's fantastic welcome aboard and then that's how it should be um anyway and so it's actually a really great article she seems like a really fascinating person um but there's one little tidbit here uh in the article that really just had people stirred up and already damning this production saying it's going to flop and it's just another what they call them sjw's just you know a social justice warrior trying to you know uh, make you know bringing politics into star wars and disney and all that crap so she mentioned that one of the writers so she's got many writers um one of these writers she revealed has no history with star wars so it was brought onto this project um, and, you know, being brought onto the project has since read through material, you know, watched the films, uh, really just, you know, uh, tried to immerse herself in Star Wars, but revealed, you know, had no idea that uh, Darth Vader was Luke's father. Um, and, and I think she found that was fascinating um, and admits that that's what she actually wants. She wants different perspectives. Um, but of course the internet and, and, and people who think they, you know, own star Wars in this franchise had things to say about it. And were just so perturbed Holly that a non star Wars fan could even have any sort of, of part in a star Wars production, um, really making out like no writers have any idea what's going on in star Wars here. And they've already been damning the project. What, what did you think of the article and, specifically like about what people are saying i mean not everyone obviously but you have people like star wars theory that's got his you know trolls excited uh, to to bring this production down well of course just just by this so that is not surprising so what did you think of the article personally i think that the article was great i thought that the article was refreshing i am extremely excited for the show i was excited for it when it was announced you know when we kind of saw the list of projects Mm -hmm. and the names that were or the 
proposed names and stuff that were yeah. coming out. And we talked about it after that um, announcement kind of dropped a while back. So I was excited for that because I am really into crime and thrillers and mm-hmm. mysteries. And obviously I like Star Wars a little bit. So, mm-hmm. But after reading this article and like getting to know some of the names and where the people behind the content are coming from, yeah. it just like... I don't know. It makes me feel like this project is in very good hands. And Mm -hmm. I think that she makes some really good points. I don't remember if she said this in the interview that she had with the AV club or if this was somewhere else, but she said, it's not everybody's job on the writing team to have like diehard cutthroat encyclopedic Mm -hmm. knowledge about Star Wars. Yeah. Not everybody who's going to watch it or create something is going to need to know that much mm-hmm. information. Yeah. There are employees for Disney and Lucasfilm who literally that is their job. Yeah. <laughs> and they are support yeah. for the writing team. That's the story group. That is the people who assist with making sure the story connects and that we have connectivity throughout the franchise. That That's their job. Exactly. And I feel like... If you are asking for them to only hire people with all this complicated knowledge mm-hmm. about all of these small details and make sure that everything is getting added into the show, A, you're asking for too much. Mm-hmm. B, this is a new era of Star Wars that we don't yeah. have a lot of content about. She pointed that out. She said, you know, this is new Star Wars content. George Lucas didn't go into episode four being like, well, in Star Wars, X, Y, and Z happened. No, he's freaking writing it in that moment. So, like, I don't know. She said that she was keeping that in mind while she was picking people to be on the um, staff. She said, I want people who are excited to have a job to do. I want people who are going to be passionate and invested about Mm -hmm. what they're doing. And I want people who are going to want this to be a good production. Yeah. And I feel like she has enough support from other teams with Lucasfilm and Disney that any details that may be missing, and mind you, her herself is an extreme fan of Star Wars. Yeah. She knows Star Wars inside and out, mm-hmm. and she's leading this production. So I just don't understand why people are freaking out. It's not like something's going to get produced and everyone's going to be like, oh my God, this makes zero sense. No, yeah. What they want is Dave Filoni just to write it. and <laughs> Dave Filoni can't do everything, and that would be, yeah. in my opinion, this is just my opinion, it would be so freaking boring. Can you imagine yeah. this is your first introduction to Star Wars, and you're like, oh, cool, a mystery thriller that's Star Wars. What's all the hype about? And they yeah. immediately jump into all of these, like, tiny little details and all these things and you have no idea what the hell they're talking about. Mm -hmm. And then you're like, well, great. Now I have to go watch nine movies and read 25 novels and watch six TV shows just to get caught up so I can watch this one TV show that just came out. Yeah. That would be a terrible idea. No, you're absolutely right. And and I like that she's open and saying, I want people to challenge me. This isn't necessarily me just saying, Hey guys, this is what we're doing and everyone be in agreement because you need, you need someone with that out- outsider's perspective because once you're in this fandom, it's very difficult to think outside the bubble. I, I, that's how I feel about myself. And you can have knowledgeable people about the facts of Star Wars and its connectivity. I think of Alex Damon from Star Wars Explained, probably one of the most knowledgeable people in the franchise, in, in the Star Wars fandom, ever. 
he's not exactly the most exciting and original person. So for him, if you said, wow, this is a knowledgeable guy, he's loved Star Wars his whole life. Here, write a script. It probably wouldn't be that interesting. And he would probably tell you that himself. He'd probably say, wow, it's going to be pretty limited because I'm going to want to connect it to all this stuff. And that's actually, in my opinion, it's fine. It's fun what we're getting in the Bad Batch. It was fun what we're getting in the Mandalorian. But it is very connected. And right now with the Bad Batch, like, it feels a lot like the Mandalorian. So these stories, you know, it just it's not necessarily that you're like, oh, I see what's coming. But it's just... It's very familiar. You can tell who's writing it, mm-hmm. and that's fine. But there's got to come a point where you have to get some fresh perspective, and and the knowledge is great. But like being a storyteller and a damn good one is way different than just having knowledge of a fan base. Yes, anybody could read the encyclopedia of Star Wars and then anybody. recite it exactly, and throw in characters from an encyclopedia into yes. a screenplay. Exactly, great. It's probably gonna suck. It, yeah, exactly. <laughs> it doesn't make you the best fan. It doesn't make you, you know, a great uh, scriptwriter. It just doesn't. But that is what people have in their mind. But you need. Actual great storytellers. Not everyone in this goddamn world is a Star Wars fan. Mm-hmm. They're gonna if they, if that's if they're only gonna hire Star Wars fans to be any writers on these pro- uh, projects, they're gonna run out of writers. Like yeah. it's just it's just not it doesn't consume people mm-hmm. the way it does some of us. And here's the other yeah. thing. So people are you're always gonna have people who are very good at what they do. Yeah. But not everybody can be very good at everything. Yeah. And so you're not always going to get people who know the inside and out of everything that's happened in the Star Wars universe and are also very good at writing and very good at putting a script together and very good at relaying that information to a director and very good at relaying how these things have to be acted out to the actors. And that's why all of these production teams or all of these, I guess, productions in general have different teams on them who handle different pieces. So let the people do their jobs, you know, yeah. because I think that this is going to be such a cool show. It's going to be so new and it's going to yeah. be something different, which is what we need. Yeah. Because I also know that part of the critique that people have been giving about Star Wars lately is it just feels like a regurgitation of the same stories over and over again. Yeah. But when you have the same people who are writing mm-hmm. Star Wars over and over again, there's only so much that they can write about because yeah. they don't have that fresh perspective like you were talking about mm-hmm. It happens with the Star Wars novels too, you know? Mm-hmm. You get people who are like, man, this is what I know about Star Wars. This is all I can write about. And yeah. that's why we get so many trilogies and series because it's these characters that these people have built. Yeah. That's why Dave Filoni is so good with doing the Clone Wars era because mm-hmm. he built so many of these characters. Mm-hmm. He didn't build any of the new characters from the High Republic. Mm-hmm. I mean, I might be wrong. He might have created some new characters, yeah. but I, I don't know that for sure. Um, I would be curious to know. Mm-hmm. But this is, you know, there's different realms for different yes. people. Yeah, there's, there's, they like, I love that you said they pay people for the the continuation for the connectivity. Like, there are people dedicated to do that. Like, if someone can write a great story, or if 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 Leslie pitches some idea and this person's like, okay, well, who is this person? It's like, oh, it's this person, and, and all this and that. And they're like, okay, but like, why are we bringing them in? It makes no goddamn sense. Like, I love that you love this character from a childhood or you want to bring in Cad Bane to do this cool thing. It just doesn't make any goddamn Mm -hmm. sense. Like, that is why you need those people there to challenge you or you're just going to get a regurgitation of 
probably things that you're familiar with in Star Wars. That's why I think it's so great. Get someone who isn't that familiar with it to add a little flavor to it or to tell you this doesn't make any sense because it may make sense to big-time Star Wars fans, but you are so limiting yourselves there yeah. when we're really trying to, especially this is a live-action show, right? I think so. It's going to connect with different people than the Bad Batch will. So I just... I don't know. I just could not believe that this was such a discussion and that so many people are damning this production before it's really even started. Mm -hmm. Um, It's just, I don't know. Everyone's going to have their critiques and I understand that they're, they're entitled to their own opinion. I'm just like, God, what? I mean, you're not even going to give this thing a chance because you're gatekeeping who can write Star Wars at this yeah. point. It's just, I don't know. And yeah. I don't know. In, in my opinion, and maybe people call me a social justice warrior after well, this, but I actually yeah. don't care. There's a difference between wanting inclusivity and diversity yeah. or actively going out of your way to make people feel like shit for yeah. liking certain things, you know what I'm saying, or mm-hmm. for being a certain way, whatever. But I really like how Leslie Headland's whole stance is – I want to write something that people can make their own. Yep. I want to write something that's going to leave, you know, a lasting impression on people. And she talks a lot about how it's going to be kind of inspired or, you know, her inspiration for this is the Phantom Menace because that's what really introduced her into Star Wars or like she said she was a big Star Wars fan before that. But yeah. she said when that film came out, it really like solidified her love for star wars because Mm -hmm. there was so much going on behind the scenes in that film that kind of just like her brain going like why are these interactions like this like what does it mean when like qui-gon can like sense this presence and like Mm -hmm. all this stuff and so i think that there are going to be a lot of intricate details that she's going to weave Mm -hmm. into this show because she does understand star wars and i think I would hope that people would give it a chance because I truly think that the diehard Star Wars fans are actually going to be very pleased with it because yeah. she herself is a diehard Star Wars fan. Yeah. So I think there are going to be little nods to those fans, but there's also going to be things to pull new fans in. Mm-hmm. She talks a lot about how she wants to make something that's going to be a point of entry for people to get in the Star Wars. Yeah. And so I know we've talked about this a lot on previous podcasts because I liked Star Wars, but I didn't really like love star wars until Mm -hmm. probably college yeah and that's just because i didn't really feel like there was anything in it for me specifically and so i think having somebody like leslie headland who comes in and she's like hey you know what i'm a queer woman i am going to offer diversity i'm going to make Mm -hmm. people feel like they're seen that is something very important to me and i'm going to show that through the film or through the show her goal isn't coming in here and being like, I'm going to make a show that straight white men are going to hate so much yeah. just despite them. And I think that that's sometimes how these are received. Yeah. And I do think that if she wasn't a woman and she wasn't especially a queer woman, I think it would be received a little bit differently I if she was a man who was agree more. making these statements. I think that certain fans would trust yeah. the process a little bit more than their leading on yeah you're you're absolutely right and it's so funny that like her admitting this in this interview was just like this is a good thing and everyone's like no this is ridiculous (laughs) and it's like that person is not writing the whole show she's one of probably you know seven people or something that are writing this television show and and leslie headland is is literally running the thing so and it's so funny Uh, she she found something (laughs) it's so funny when you mentioned uh when you were talking about her and, and getting into Star Wars, like she fell in love with a franchise that is 
predominantly run by rich white straight men. <laughs> and she found something in it though, right? And she's looking to give that to others that may may not have shared that experience with past past media from Star Wars. So I mm-hmm. I cannot believe we dedicated so much time to that, but I also it's I, I think it's worth discussing because um, it's 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 fascinating. There um, was yeah. there was um something else that I wanted to bring up but now i can't find it because there was another uh i like kind of went down a rabbit hole Mm -hmm. and i was like reading some other interviews that she's done because i i do think that i just from what i've read about her like i I like her yeah um and this is from the rap and they also did an interview with her and so they asked her you know, about the pressure and the honor that comes with being the first person to hold the title of, like, the first queer woman to run a Star Wars series. Mm. And she said, they said, you know... What's the first woman in general, too, right? Like, I mean, I'm pretty sure she's the first woman to run a Star Wars production. Yeah, fully. We're not talking, like, a director of an episode or something. This is, like, this is her show. Um, And so they said, you know, is it... Do you think it's problematic when that responsibility becomes the focus to so many people? And she said that she found that very interesting, but ultimately she said, and I really like this, and I think that it speaks to why she went out and hired her team the way that she did. She said, for me, my job is to do my job, which is to create and show run and produce a show. And I think there's an enormous amount of pressure that comes with that no matter what. It's just very hard. It's a hard job because you're doing something creative in an industry that is not necessarily run by creative people. Mm -hmm. It's run by economically minded people and it's run by people that are looking at art in terms of how many subscribers you get and how much money do you make. Yeah. And she said, it's kind of like any other industry that folds itself into capitalism. The dollar becomes king. It becomes very important. Mm Mm-hmm. And as creative people, that isn't necessarily why we got into this game, but it becomes something we have to start navigating pretty quickly. There's always a responsibility. I just think as your world gets bigger and you go more professional with your work, the pressure is going to get higher no matter what. Yeah. So that's why creating such a diverse writer's room for this show was so important to her because she was like, people kind of like we were saying earlier, people who are more economically driven when they're looking at what kind of content they're going to create mm-hmm. are going to create different content than people who are more creatively driven. Yeah. So that's why I feel very confident that I think the show is going to be great. It's a, it's, it's, it, you don't, you don't hear that from a lot of writers, right? Because they're wanting to get mm. hired by these companies. So I appreciate that she's willing to come out there and say like representation on film is great and it's necessary. And she even says this in her article, but what really can actually change a culture and have societal shifts is in those writers rooms behind the scenes, people making decisions about where direction is going and not necessarily only those being captured on film. And because she'll talk, she was talking about like commercials like how effective commercials were if there's, you know, a, a gay couple raising their child on a, like a car insurance commercial. She's like, I'll just sit there and weep. So yeah. she she knows that that's important, but that isn't necessarily always bringing substantive change in the industry. And I, I just loved how honest she was about it, that that's where it's going. That's where you can actually have shift. That's where you can make a huge difference. It's yes. important for people to see that representation in a commercial, in a show or whatever. But when you have people making decisions that 
have different, you know, experiences and share those with some of the viewers. Like that's important. And, and you're right. Like predominantly these industries are run by rich white men and like straight men. Like that's that's just what it is. Um, And over that, even profit tends to drive everything. So it's, it's, it's unfortunate, but I appreciate how honest she was in in everything that she's kind of dishing out. Yeah. Because something else that she said, you know, she gets that question a lot. Like, wow. Like, like, how do you feel about, like, maybe cracking under the pressure because, like, yeah. you're the first person to be able to do this. And, like, what if you don't do a good job? And they yeah. just, like, are like, oh, back to what we were doing before. And she yeah. said, I don't really think it's fair that you have to ask me that question. I think that you need to be asking Disney that question. Yeah, absolutely. And she's like, they hired me, mm-hmm. but they can hire more people. Yeah. yeah absolutely so. right. Well, I think it's something we're looking forward to. Um didn't you know and it's actually i think coming out a little soon or at least they're starting to work on it early next year i think yeah, at some point which is they crazy. said it was going they were going to start production on it in february 2022 yeah which is awesome i almost said just february 2020 it's like holly we are past that i don't want to go back in time Dude, <laughs> definitely not um so i i'd be curious to see what everyone thinks if does anyone care um but it seems like a lot of the internet at least cares so i'm sure uh folks in our group and our family have some opinions so i'd love to hear them um you know what whether you disagree or not it's it's interesting to have a conversation and i love how confident she is in the choices she's making and uh, knowing that this is going to be a discussion that people are going to have after reading this article she's comfortable saying you know what yeah i hired people that have different opinions of me and have no idea what star wars is and i think that's you know can be really beneficial i think there's a lot of guts there um i don't see you know really i mean yeah dave filoni's came out and said some cool things about the writer's room and people he's worked with but no one's came out and really said anything like that nope i think that it's fantastic and i think that that's the kind of confidence that young women need to see other women in these big companies having because i know in my experience i have been intimidated by multiple employers into not speaking my mind and not standing up for myself and i think that what we're starting to see is a lot of these people being hired by lucasfilm and or Disney, they've had problems in the past with mm-hmm. kind of silencing their yeah. writers and not paying them the royalties. Mm-hmm. There's been lawsuits against Lucasfilm for not paying their writers royalties on the work that they were selling when they transitioned or what am I trying to say? They uh, When the whole Disney transition yeah, happened. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I think that hopefully they kind of learned from that and we are not going to see very many silenced actors or... Yeah writers and I think that that will be refreshing and I love what she's done because even just for me I'm like man she like said what she wanted to say and she basically yeah. like if they didn't like myself they wouldn't have hired me yeah absolutely so and, I, and Disney isn't perfect we're not shilling Disney like this isn't they have their problems hopefully this is a step in the right direction and in no way shape or form am I saying Dave Filoni's terrible Dave Filoni's great he's one of the few people that actually got to work side by side with 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 uh, George Lucas for years and years and years and learned a lot from him, learned a lot about storytelling. And I'll forever be grateful that we had someone continue on that. But I'm going to tell you right now, guys, in a few years, if you have one person writing everything, it's going to get stale. Yeah. It just is that that happened with Star Wars. It happened with the thing that we love. It happened to George Lucas. He got burnt out. He got sick of people critiquing it. And he said, I'm fucking selling this thing. Like, so you have to remember that. Like, 
it's just no one is saying that it's terrible that Dave Filoni is so involved. And I know everyone wants him to be the the main creative head, but it's just like, boy, that's going to get stale really fast. <laughs> also, already, yeah. nobody's asked Dave Filoni if that's actually what he wants to do. I just don't think that it is. I, I think he sees exactly what George Lucas went through in that relationship. And I'm sure George Lucas, while he was sharing insights about storytelling, was like, Dude, you do not want to be running a production company <laughs> yourself while also trying to tell stories. Yeah. I guarantee you that was the conversation bet, they had. And that has to be so hard because there, there's a million different projects that they're working on right now. Yeah. I mean, it's not even just Disney Plus stuff, which is taking up a lot of mm-hmm. time because they are getting a lot of revenue from it. Yeah. But, I mean, they're talking about movies in the future. They're mm-hmm. talking about more books. They're literally building a new part of the Star Wars universe. A yeah. new time in the Star Wars universe is taking a lot of energy. Yeah. They have so many different groups to oversee that are like adding creative content to Star mm-hmm. Wars. It's a lot to oversee. And that is a lot of responsibility. Yeah. And I don't think anyone's going to think if you like one person, producer it means that you're shitting on another one yeah i think that's absurd you can say that you like somebody else's work and it doesn't mean that you don't like somebody just because you like this other producer so yeah no and we are very lucky to have i I look at dave filoni as just kind of like an anchor yeah it has the it has he has He's a George Lucas, just like an apprentice. He's a Star Wars kind of originalist, so to speak, not in like a shitty way. Um, but like I look at him as like an anchor that we're very lucky to have since George Lucas has like. But at this point, if George Lucas were still running the show, he'd be doing the same thing. He'd be having other creatives in there. Uh, you have to. And yeah. that's part of leading a project is you have to delegate. Mm-hmm work and responsibilities to other people under you like you just have to absolutely so i like the direction this sounds like it's going i'm super excited for it i cannot wait until we actually start getting some more information about it Mm -hmm. and some little teasers and stuff because once they start you know actual production i'm sure they're going to release some clips to kind of show people what it's going to start to look like i don't even know what to expect i truly don't yeah, it actually also gets me really excited, even more so for Celebration. Oh my god! Yes, like, because Celebration is going to be just a few months after they claim yeah. that they're starting. So we production. may get some 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 shots, some, oh my some god. story. I wonder if they're yeah. going to have a cast that they're going to announce at Celebration. I guess it will get announced percent. before that. I wonder if we can get in on a panel. Well, that's that's up to the lottery. You know, <laughs> the lottery gods. Yeah, seriously, or the timekeepers. Maybe we could talk to them. Wrong, Maybe. wrong franchise. Wrong franchise. Shoot. I'm mixing franchises here. That's my bad. Um, well, let's 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 chat about for a little bit about the latest episode of uh the Bad Batch, Holly. Uh, Bounty Lost. You know the big revelation. Uh, Cad Bane coming back. Um, it's nice that he's confirmed alive post Clone Wars. Um, but he captures Omega, and which is it's just becoming a theme at this point. Like I kind of hope that they. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like she, we get to a point where she is kind of secure and and where she's going, and it's not just kind of this game of I don't know if it's cat and mouse, but just like hey, we lost Omega. Oh, that's fine. Okay, I hope we kind of get our legs going here in this latter half of the season. But um, one big thing that we learned about in this episode, I'm not going to summarize the whole episode because if you, you likely saw it if you're listening to this. But one thing that we learned, Holly, was that Omega is what what Tech said an unmodified replication of Django Fett, the original host, 
um, for all these clones, right? And you even hear the Kaminoans making reference to Boba Fett being the alpha of the whole project. Yeah. And I thought that was pretty fascinating, that he was the original unaltered replication. And then we have Omega being some final, we assume, unaltered replication. But that to me, that doesn't really make sense, right? Like, why... why even designate an alpha and an omega if there is a beginning and an end and they're just the same thing, so to speak? They're just this unaltered replication of Django Fett? Like, I don't, I wasn't well, really following that. It seems like there's more to it. Yeah, I think they were alluding to more more background story. Yeah. So what I heard, there's only a few more episodes left that we're going to get. And what I heard is that we are going to get a lot more of Omega's background, which they yeah. clearly started on in this last episode. Yeah. But they kind of, you know that Omega is important and the Kaminoans have a plan. Yeah. Which is why they just want to get her, I guess, genetic material but they didn't even want her they just wanted her dna right or whatever it was that they were going at her you know yeah probably just dna hopefully just dna uh but they wanted that and then they were going to kill her they didn't need her after that so it wasn't even her it was what they could do with her the concept of her which is totally creepy makes my skin crawl because we're talking about a Mm -hmm. child (laughs) and i think we forget that even just like talking about it now it's like i mean there's something very unsettling yeah about them just being like she's not a real child and we need her genetic makeup and then you can kill her in fact you will kill her yeah i had some i don't know why i had a little hope for the kaminoans like we don't learn a lot about them they seem like kind of greedy bastards and they're just out to make some money and and you know the idea of cloning a person isn't a problem for them right um and that they're going to be used these people are going to be used as weapons so to speak but i there's a part of me and maybe that's just like the interactions with nala say and her kind of sticking up for Omega and, and trying to protect her but I was really had a little more hope but you're right they're just kind of disgusting people and they just want her genetic makeup because they were housing Django Fett and Camino like they like they were he lived there and whether that was part of their agreement of, hey, I'm going to give you my DNA or whatever and I'm just going to live here for free yeah or if they needed him just in case something happened and we lost whatever it was that we needed from but him. also I guess Maybe this is a stupid question, and maybe I just missed why. But how come they're not sending somebody after Boba Fett? If it's so important for them to have Omega's DNA, but Boba Fett has, like, Mm -hmm. real pure genetic DNA, which is what they said, why aren't they trying to get him, too? Well, and that's kind of what I think people are confused about because, you know, it's what they're just saying is that they can't find him, that he's kind of just gone off the radar somewhere which is strange because he's a bounty hunter right and he has a reputation that we know i mean can't you put a bounty out on a bounty hunter (sighs) could they i don't know would that break some bounty hunter code i mean boba can you find yourself i guess he would know that there's a bounty out on him but i feel like at some point everybody learns and so that that is i think you brought up a great point because that's kind of confusing like 
he has a reputation, but at what point does he gain that reputation to a point where everyone probably knows where he is at all times? Right. I, I don't know. Uh, everyone, and he seemed like they could summon him, at least Jabba can. Um, but yeah, it's kind of strange, but it's just kind of feeding the story, I guess, that we have this Omega character. Um, but it just, I do not just see her as some like unaltered, like what? Well, it doesn't make sense. Also, why, why is she the end? Not to sound like a social justice well, warrior. You already have. So. <laughs> it, doesn't sit well with me when I think that Boba Fett and Jango Fett are not white. Yeah. And Omega is very white and very blonde with yeah. very blue eyes, right? Yeah. So there's it's something kind going of on there. strange to me that they would have this pure genetic yeah. replication of Jango Fett, but it would be this little white girl. Yeah, there's there's something there's something else going on. And I, I just think that maybe our batch doesn't know fully like i don't think tech has all the information they just kind of know on the surface like what it is they're after her genetic material or whatever but i don't even th- i don't think the kaminoans so much revealed that she's just no different than boba fett like there's something very special and maybe that's the thing maybe it's not just that boba fett's lost maybe there's something else that they're not revealing to the empire that could actually be detrimental to the empire if maybe- they're successful I think we should rewatch that episode yeah. then and, and listen to what they say again because I thought that they said that she was like pure Django Fett DNA. Yeah, I thought that yeah. the verbiage that they used was pure. And well, it, but that's what I'm saying though. That may be deception. That may yeah. be them not being fully because the Empire doesn't seem to be fully aware. They said terminate her and, and the batch, whatever. They don't seem to be fully aware of what's going on and why she's so important. So they could just say, yeah, we can't find Boba Fett. Oh, yep, that guy is out there somewhere. We just can't. We got to get Omega back. And that, that could just be because she's a kid and easier to find or there's something different about her, which makes the most sense to me. Yeah. Like why a beginning and an end, right? You know, like yeah. that she... Something happened in between that they were trying to... to Obviously, she's different, right? She's not an exact replication of, of Jango Fett. She just isn't. Boba Fett is. So there's something different there. Um, so I don't think they're being fully transparent with us or the Empire because I think they're not going to... Why, why show the Empire all your cards here, you know, at this point? Like, you've got to have something in the back burner to reveal at the last minute, maybe before things go south, like you still need us. Yeah. But I don't know. I, I guess so. Because the empire was also trying to phase out the clones. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And then the Kaminoans do need some yeah. money. They do. Yeah. They're, money. they're greedy bastards. Um, another thing that was cool. So when it looks like Cad Bane is going to drop off, um, he has a deal um, with uh, Lama Sue to capture Omega and they, they, they're, they're meeting their rendezvous point is an old Kaminoan facility, which was cool because the facilities look just like what we saw on Camino. Yeah. But they're up in the air. It almost looks like cloud city. It does. It does. Right. It okay, was super so, cool. And they even Cad Bane even lands yeah. on a landing pad. And I yeah. was like, yeah. Where are we? It it literally it looked like that Lando? It, are yeah. you there? What what if a young Lando shows up? Well, that would have been insane. Um but it was cool. We see the old what appear to be old clones. They look more like the Kaminoans. So it was almost like 
the Kaminoa and said, we're going to clone ourselves. Okay, actually. It's not successful. They yeah. looked like Snoke. Like, well, that's from, something okay. else there. Listen, that was just me. I mean, truly, truly, they looked more like your stereotypical, like, Americanized idea of what an alien is. Yeah, yeah. They had really tall, skinny bodies, I guess, like the Kaminoans, yeah. but then they had these big, weird heads yeah. and these giant eyes that like they were like fly eyes that took up their whole heads right yeah. but like when they were inside the canisters ooh, they looked like it reminded me of snoke and like yeah. all the creepy little snokes that are around yeah well, that we saw or will be around in the future yeah and the rise of skywalker you're right there's even like i don't know and this is a lot of the cgi and stuff but like when snoke walks He's kind of got that Kaminoan walk because he's like huge, right? And so are the Kaminoans. So I, there, there could be, be a there. blend of, of Omega and a Kaminoan. I don't know. Oh, my God. I know. What if our Snoke theory had been that Snoke yeah. is Omega? We just wouldn't have known yet. I know. And then people are just saying how much Omega and her pose and her and her poster look like Palpatine. And I get it. So they're all connected. Everyone's family. Everyone's a People Skywalker. are saying that. Yeah. I haven't seen that. Yeah. So I thought that was pretty cool. I thought it was, it was in that moment too. It, it was kind of, there was some horror elements too there with the, with the, uh, with, you know, just the, I don't know, just the vibe, the scene, the, all the green glow and, and uh, the music even during it all. And then when Cad Bane actually shows up and everything's kind of cloudy and his head just kind of appears through the the fog, like when we see him and his disgusting red eyes. Um, it just I don't know. There was a ton of horror elements, and yeah. I, I kind of had me creeped out. I was like, "Oh my god!" Well, like, because it's like you don't. It's that whole like everything's so jumpy. Yeah. She's stressed out, so you yeah. as the audience, you're so invested in her, so Absolutely. you're getting stressed out. And Cad Bane is stressful anyway. Absolutely. I don't know the whole thing. I think it was very well done. Yeah. And I do like how the Bad Batch, they're. I don't know if it's called filming, if they're not like literally there with a the camera film, yeah, but yeah. like uh, some of the shots and stuff are different than we saw in Rebels and different than we saw in the Clone Wars. Yeah. And I think that we were worried in the beginning that maybe the Bad Batch would just feel too much like an extension of the Clone Wars and mm -hmm. it doesn't. Yeah. At least not to me. It did yeah. a little bit in the beginning, but that's because we were transitioning out of the Clone Wars. Yeah. So I like how they're even making the way that the episodes are kind of like broken up and the different scenes and how they cut to different scenes and the music. It's, mm -hmm. it's different. Yeah, absolutely. And, and it was cool that we got to go to a different place, right? Yeah. Like we are so often in the same place. Um, but we actually got to go to this facility. We were there briefly, but it was something different. It was cool that it was reminiscent of, of, of Camino, um, but it looks like it was abandoned. Why was it abandoned? What like, happened? What were they doing? Like, why? I just, it looks like it was probably unsuccessful or I, was it not lucrative? Like, were, you know, were they, are they not capable of being cloned? I have so many questions. But you know what's crazy yeah. is that they left all of those clones there. They and did. so it makes you wonder, A, when those clones were created. Yeah what kind of DNA those clones were made from because yeah. they don't look, I mean, I guess you could have been onto something when you said where they cloned from Kaminoans because yeah. they truly don't look yeah. anything like no. any of the actual clones that we see mm -mm. in the clone wars or the bad batch or Omega or 
Boba and Jango Fett. Like, they just don't. Yeah. And so it's kind of like, when were they made? Like, who were they based off of? And why were they just left there? Do they not have any value to them? Yeah. It's gross. Ew. Okay, so when, <laughs> when Fennec... Yeah. Okay, yeah. so yeah. in that part of the episode where then Fennec shows up and she starts fighting Cad Bane yeah. for Omega... And she follows Omega into the room with all the clones, and yeah. she accidentally breaks. Oh yeah, the what is it? The a canister? I yeah. don't know what it is that has the clones, and I don't know whatever they're in. Yeah, and it just like falls out on her. Disgusting, covered truly, in formaldehyde. It must be. Yeah, and that truly is like a horror movie. Oh, it was. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, and I'm assuming Phoenix. Okay, because I think this was after she had kind of kicked Cad's butt, but I can't remember. I mean, they went back and forth quite a bit. Also, Fennec had some awesome moves. And I'll tell you what. So, uh, jump into that to that altercation. Um, Cat Bane has a reputation in the in the brief time that we've seen him in the Clone Wars. I mean, the dude fought Obi Wan Kenobi with the lightsaber very briefly too, and held his own. You know, usually it's those freaking stupid rockets that he has on his feet to save him, and they did again. Yes. True to him. Freaking dirtbag. Um, but he is has a reputation, and, and that's why it was so cool to see him. But Fennec Shan, I love that they put her up against, because you're kind of like, she's new. Like, why is Fennec so great? We all think she looks cool, and she's got some sweet moves, and she can snipe the hell out of something. Probably a womp rat, you know, no bigger than two meters from <laughs> many, many Star Wars miles away. Um, but <laughs> that reference may not have made any sense, but it sounded cool. I liked it. Yeah. Um, but putting her up against toe to toe with Cad Bane, who, you know, he does depend on his on his on his blasters a lot. Um, and those stupid shoe rockets. Um but putting her up toe to toe with him, I, I that was I thought that was cool to show, you know what? She's not to be messed with and she held her own. Um I don't know if it was kind of a I don't know, they both kicked each other's asses. So it was kind of a draw almost, but she ended up, you know, kind of winning the day. Um, Mm -hmm. Well, because Omega got away, right? Well, I don't know. That's kind of why. It's debatable because part of me was kind of like, would it be the worst thing ever if she went with, I don't know what the- I was going to ask you. I don't know. Holly, does she have good intentions? Do you, you trust Finnick Shan because she helped out Den. That's yes. the only reason we trust her. Everything else we've seen, she's trying to kidnap this kid for God knows what purposes. Do we trust her at this point? She says, I am here to help you. That's what kidnappers say to kids all the time. So it's like, is she being, is she sincere? Is she actually at this point already working with Boba Fett to a point where Boba's trying to protect her and sends Finnick? For some guy, I, I mean, maybe in case he gets captured and well, goes to Cameron Owens, I don't know. Well, but we know that Nala Se is the one who hired Fennec. Yes, but that's what I'm thinking. Maybe I mean, I guess if there's a bigger bounty that somebody puts out in yeah. in mid bounty hunt, yeah, I mean, bounty hunters want money. That's true, but can, I can imagine, you know, if Nala Se uh, reaches out to Fennec, um, I mean, she she could still be working with Boba Fett at that point. But why would she be? Is it simply because Nala say is is decent and Finnick is working for her, and she's like, I can help you, and that's what? But you're still taking her back to Camino, it seems. Right. 
I don't know. But I don't think that at this point, like, Fennec Shan is just trying to also survive. And so yeah. I think that yeah. what we've seen in a lot of cases with bounty hunters is that they uh, remove themselves from what they're doing. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Kind of like a little dissonance, I guess. But you're right, though, because it's, I mean, usually it's to. just a job, right? She is trying to survive, but there's something different about it. Like, just the way she's interacting with her and saying, no, I'm actually trying to help you. It could just be a job, but maybe there's something else going on. I don't know. Yeah, she was very nice to Nala say. Like, I mean, she could have just said, sorry, didn't get it. I'm on to the next one. But she yeah. said, yeah. But, okay, my theory is that Fennec Shan does not know Boba Fett yet. At this point? Okay. I like that. Because I, I want to see their interaction. I want to see him. Yeah, be- yeah. I think that Omega... If we are going to get Boba Fett in this show, which it's seeming like they keep they keep teasing us with yeah. a Boba Fett entry. And honestly, like how many of us were like, oh, my God, it has to be Boba Fett. And Every freaking Fennec, time. Fennec Shannon said, which I was totally fine with. But I think that Omega is going to be the reason why Fennec and Boba meet. And I don't I like think that. they're going to like each other. Yeah, no, I don't either. I think that... I think that it's going to be a really rocky relationship. I agree. And I think, I I mean, you, you were there watching it with me. I was. Every single scene, especially at the end when the ship shows up and the hatch opens, I'm like, it's Boba Fett. <laughs> and no, it wasn't. Every time. I just, I was like, He's, but it makes sense because we were first introduced to Fennec and Boba in the Mandal- Mandalorian live action. I would like some sort of, if it's going to be a flashback. Well, we don't really know. I don't really know what the book of Boba Fett's going to be about. Or is it before the Mandalorian? Is it, you know, after it? Like, we don't know. I guess we don't. So I think I would actually like to see their first interactions there. I think that would be appropriate. Well, maybe we'll see it in the Bad Patch. I'm saying I want it in the book of Boba oh, Fett. Oh, you want it? You I don't... want it live action. I feel oh. like we kind of owe it to the, the characters because that's how we were introduced to them. I'd like to see... I think it would be more impactful, I think, if they if they are butting heads. I think it would be more impactful live action to see how far they've come because that's how we were introduced to them in live action. That's just kind of nod to me, to, to Mer Morrison and and, and, and uh, Ming. Now when? Did I? Okay, nailed it. I, yeah, I, um, I don't know. I guess the more we talk about it, the more like... Confused we get? Yeah, and the more that I hope that their first interaction that we see was not when she gets knocked out in the Mandalorian and then we see his boots. No. Like, what if that was it? And then he just saves her life. Nope, they know. they The reason he's there is because they've had interactions and he knows that she can serve a purpose or there's something, there's history there. There's too much history there for him to show up. Yeah. I think. I mean, and there's so much time in between... The Bad Batch and the Mandalorian, yeah. that it just seems unlikely the two effective bounty hunters would go this long without meeting each other. Yeah. Although I guess Boba, f- well, okay. Anyway, yeah. I don't know. There's a lot that happens to him in between, and he's gone for a long time, mm-hmm. and nobody knows where he is. Yeah. But- why is he? Why is he so? Am I? Is he still kind of younger at this point? Like I couldn't even tell you how old he is at this point. But apparently, he doesn't have this huge reputation where anyone can just kind of call him up and just, "Hey, got a job for you, Boba." Could be still a little bitter jerk, which I'm sure he is. I mean, why wouldn't he be? I know. All the more reason for him to want to take Omega away from the Kaminoans. I I'd like to think that. At this point, maybe he's 
Oh, I don't know. He can't be that big of a changed man because we no. all talked about him in the Sarlacc pit having some awakening, right? And, and you know, being covered in Sarlacc juices. and. But I feel yeah. like it's different when it's somebody that is technically like your own blood. Family. Great point. I mean, it doesn't have to be. Because yeah. like. Literally your own blood. I mean. But yeah. Yeah. I don't know. It yeah. might be because he got his whole family taken away from him. And that's part of the reason why he was so freaking bitter. Yeah. And so, I mean. R.I.P. Django. Uh, and almost R.I.P. Mace. R.I.P. Uh, Tonwi. Yeah. I mean. I, I They did her dirty. I, it felt a little sad. Not that we have that many interactions with Tonwi. I mean. But you kind of feel bad that she was put in that situation. But she also knew that she was going to murder a child. Great point. Oh, yeah, that's and, right. That's and right. Omega defended her. She was like, she didn't do anything, or she was nice to me. I don't remember exactly yeah. what she said. Yeah. Oh, poor girl. It's it's interesting, too, like seeing just that the Kaminoans, it's more complicated than we were led to believe in episode two, Attack of the Clones, mm-hmm. that they're all, even the interactions we've had in the Clone Wars with them, like this is way more depth than we've ever gone with them and that not everyone that Lama Sue seems to be kind of a dick, but like not, maybe not everyone is. Um, it's kind of interesting to see mm-hmm. these, these, these uh, big wigs in, in, of the Kaminoans not getting along. And, and yeah. what's, what's the end goal? I, I, is, is it simply just to protect this, this Omega or is just, you know, does Nala say have her own intentions? Um Nobody knows. Uh, yeah, and it's it's. I mean, they're all deceiving the Empire, and now Nalase is deceiving Lama Sue. There's so many names that my mind is just <laughs> a bunch of noodles it's, right now. It's a cluster. It is a cluster. I don't know. I'm. I am curious to see what they're going to do in the next episode because, yeah. like you said, like I don't want to get into this game of cat and mouse. Yeah. Where it's just now they're just running from two different bounty hunters mm-hmm. or multiple bounty hunters, and they're hired by different people who want Omega for different reasons. I feel yeah. like something else is going to have to Agreed. happen to break this cycle now. Cause they're just going to be planet hopping yes. at this point. Yeah. And while I love seeing new planets, I also love having a storyline <laughs> that kind of moves it along. Well, and that was going to be my next question before we wrap things up with you is, is this did just pick up. I mean, it's, I mean, we've got crosshair chasing them as, you know, they're leaving. Um, oh, oh, yeah. What was the plan? I can't remember now. Yeah, but I don't. I forgot Forget about it. I forgot about crosshair. Yeah, the beginning. Remember, he's like trying to shoot them down or whatever, and they jump to hyperspace. Oh, yeah. And, and he's some like crazy bionic. Something. You know what else? I saw a bunch of people online saying he looked like Dengar. And I was like, thank God I'm not nuts. I didn't see anybody saying that. I saw a ton of people. Well, not a ton because there's a few of us out there that, you know. Can make cool justice for Dengar. Justice, I don't know. He's a dick. He doesn't deserve any justice. But what I wanted to ask you is that we, I mean, we start right where we left off. And like you just said, it tends to really slow down the story. And we, it seems we continue to do this. Are you enjoying that? Or do we need to start some time needs to start actually passing into our next episode? Is that, is that what you're wanting? Okay, I think that it was important for these things to happen leading up to this because it kind of solidified where Omega stands with the Bad Batch. And that is she is now part of the Bad Batch and they Mm -hmm. are treating her like they're one of her, one of, she's one of their own. Oh my gosh. English is hard today. (laughs) Um, 
And I think that that was really important because in the beginning, you know, she was just a kid. They didn't want to deal with her. They wanted to ship her off with their friends. And now it's kind of started to change. Mm -hmm. And I think that it was important for them to get that kind of growth where they're like humanized because they weren't really in the Clone Wars. And for them to start establishing their own identities and where they are in the galaxy right now. And also for Omega to have that growth where she, you know, can kind of learn like what's important and learn how to make relationships with people and Mm -hmm. that she can actually trust people and not everybody is going to do all these terrible surgeries and insert these chips and control people. You know, she's getting a lot of experiences that I think are going to be very beneficial, especially in the kind of climate and culture that she is Mm -hmm. growing growing up in at this time. Um, It was also really crucial for us to get this little bit of background on her. Yeah, absolutely. But now that we have that, I would would like more answers to some of the things that we were talking about earlier. Like what is the end game of the Kaminoans Mm -hmm. and what is uh, Namase going to do with her or Nalase, sorry, going to do with Omega if Fennec Shan actually does deliver her to her and You know, what are they going to do with her genetic material if it doesn't work out in the end? And we have the whole crosshair situation to deal with. It definitely feels like the Kaminoans are pretty desperate. So it feels like it, it that Omega is the end game for them. That That's their last. But I just don't know. My question, I just want to know why. No, me too. So I feel 100%. like we have those questions. And so they just need to start driving the story forward and focusing Agreed. on those. Yeah. And let me let me ask you one other thing. With Cad Bane's return, is this just another one and done with our familiar friends, you know, from other Star Wars media? Or is he going to be a continued threat for the Bad Batch along with Crosshair? Okay, first of all, Cad Bane's pissed. For sure. He just got the shit kicked out he of did. him. So I don't think that this is the last episode. Doesn't feel like it. I, I It would be... It's not about the bounty anymore at this point, right? Like it's, it's personal. Whooping ass. Yeah. yeah. And I think that it would be bad storytelling yeah. or out of character for them to just let Cad Bane get his ass kicked like this and then yeah. he just crawls into a hole and we don't see him anymore. Yeah. So I think there's more Cad Bane. I do I do too. It's I almost don't want too much because they're already making the connections now with Finnick, Boba, and Cad Bane, and I kind of almost want them to leave more of it for the Book of Boba Fett and kind of, kind of flesh it out there. I don't know. I mean, it, I'd be fine if they even show Boba here, but and I kind of wanted that. But now I'm like, man, this could be some juicy live action television, and I would love to see Cad Bane in live action because once I saw that cosplayer celebration, I was like, this <laughs> is amazing. Why hey, no. not make a show? Yeah. We're getting the book of Boba Fett this year, though, right? Twenty twenty one. Supposedly, hmm. I don't know. Or I thought we were getting Obi Wan Kenobi this year. What are we getting this year? Are we getting any Star Wars shows? Do we even know? I feel like anything, Star Wars dead. Anything could be <laughs> Star Wars dead. It depends on who you ask. That's true. Those fanboys will tell you, y'all. That's true. Kathleen Kennedy murdered. Am it. I a fanboy though? No. Okay. <laughs> no, God, no. Okay. Not that kind of fanboy. Not that kind of fanboy. Fanboy of other things. Well, I'm just, I don't know. I'm curious to see how they wrap up this season. Mm -hmm. We don't even know if it's going to have multiple. (laughs) No. It could be one. Could be one and done. Who knows? They could let it go for a year and a half and then bring it back. Yeah. Nobody knows. Yeah. 
Well, I mean, as critical as we've been, guys, like I, I it's fun. It's I enjoyed it. I, I had a lot of questions out of this episode. Um, so uh, yeah, I thought I was gonna be a little more critical of the episode, but then when we dissected those parts, I, I was like, I enjoyed it. Oh yeah, enjoyed it a lot. It was definitely a good episode, and yeah. I think that Cad Bane and his whole like. The yeah. whole like Western feel yeah. with the music yeah. and just like the standoffs and the quick cuts from face to face and stuff. Yeah. I just think that it really kind of adds a little bit of a refreshing take to the show too. I, yeah. I, I really enjoyed them changing it up. Yeah. And so I just hope that they continue to do that so it doesn't get a little stale with this back and forth that they're Very going true. to be doing fighting Very over true. Omega. It was also cool to see Cad Bane just kind of vulnerable. Like Usually he has the upper hand. Even when he was fighting Jedi, like he usually feels very in control, but like there were some yeah. moments where he was scared and I was like, oh shit. Because as it turns out, you can still have a badass character yeah. or a badass, I mean, a villain or a hero yeah. and have them be vulnerable. Absolutely. I don't, having characters who are vulnerable doesn't make them any less badass yeah. in my opinion. See, now we're starting to feel like a lifestyle podcast oh, again. Shit. I love it. I know. Full circle. God. Just be vulnerable, folks. It <laughs> pays right. off in the end. People love authenticity. <laughs> I mean, look. Look yeah. what happened. Yeah. Authenticity. Yeah. The moment that Toto and Omega have on yeah. Cad Bane's ship. Yeah. She's vulnerable with him. She yeah. opens up to him. He trusts her. It didn't work out for him in the end. Yeah. You kind of were hoping, though, the whole time that he would make a change and maybe. I mean, there's still be- time. You I- said it. Yeah, I don't know, but I feel like it needed to happen there, though. He's still a little prick. But, or he yeah. just decides that he's going to completely sabotage Cad Bane <sighs> in the next episode because he likes Omega. Or he is he like, you made a fool of me, and he just becomes like some <laughs> like like demon machine droid and Jeez. just... Seeks vengeance. I'd be down for Takes that. Takes his child. Down. I think that would be kind of cool. He adds comedic relief, but like if he goes super like like bad boy, I'd be down for it. Bad boy. <laughs> wow, we're talking about a tiny little robot. Yeah. Anyway. Well, never underestimate a droid. Thank you, Holly. That Princess Leia. Absolutely. Well, guys, I enjoyed that discussion. Holly, did you enjoy that discussion? Yeah, I thought it was fun. Yeah, Luke, you missed out. I had enjoy a lot your to vacation. Say. Ugh. Um, and guys, I hope you enjoyed it too. You know, we're going to continue to break down the uh, Bad Batch as we get weekly releases. Um, and uh, we're going to be getting back into the comic books. We've got some some Darth Vader issues coming out, so um, we're going to get back into those stories. Um, at some point, Holly's going to read the High Republic. We keep talking about the High Republic. I know. I so we're going on vacation in a couple of weeks, and ooh, so ooh, yeah, 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 yeah. Maybe I'll bring some of the High Republic. I'm going to need something to read by the beach. So, amen, amen. High Republic, it is. Light of the Jedi sounds like a good one. That's right. Um, so, guys, do expect some of that conversation. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I really enjoyed this conversation. Sometimes it's nice, just Holly, just to have a lifestyle podcast with you and talk about whatever we want. And one day that's going to happen. One day. It may be next week. I, I don't know. I don't want to just turn on a dime with everyone and say, tomorrow. sorry, guys, this is no longer a Star Wars focused podcast, but you never know when it's going to happen. I'm just going to say at some point it may happen. It's the Wild West out here. Wild, Wild West. Jim West. Desperado. Cad Bane. <laughs> that should have been his introduction song. <laughs> that would have been sick. Uh, yeah, that would have been cool. God. 
Well, guys, I hope you enjoyed that. I hope you're enjoying the Bad Batch. Um, check out that uh, that AV Club uh, article of, of Leslie Headland. It was it was a fascinating read. I think uh, Charles even posted in the group. So check that out there. And thanks to him for posting that and getting that on our radar because it was fascinating. Uh, so, guys, I hope you enjoyed this. If you did, hey, go to uh, iTunes. iTunes. <laughs> Jesus, what is this? 2015? <laughs> go to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you can leave us a review, uh, wherever you're listening to us. Let us know that you're enjoying it with a five-star review. It helps out, Holly. If you give us a one-star, you'll be some shithead. I don't want to hear it. Just don't even waste your time because it's irrelevant. Constructive criticism only. Exactly. <laughs> if it's constructive, don't tell us that we hate episode two. Obviously, we do. Obviously. Right? Psych, we don't. But if you if you want to tell us how we're doing and then you're enjoying what you're hearing, leave us a review. Uh, we always post our, our episodes also on YouTube if you're a, a, a visual uh, a listener, and I guess, so to speak. Michael's bare arms. Rocking a tank today. Feeling confident. Less confident now that we started recording. But um, I can't superimpose muscles. So. No deep just, fake here. No <laughs> I will try a deep fake at some point. I had really cool plans for deep fakes and drunk history, but that's another time. That's going to have to be months and years down the road, Holly. Just don't have the time. Big production. Big production. But <laughs> guys, I hope you enjoyed it. If you did, let us know. Check us out on YouTube. Uh, we do have also a Facebook group that you can uh, be a part of, and we've got some really great guys in there. Uh, a lot of great conversation, a lot of great guys and gals. Um, so check us out there, um, and I guess we'll just see you next week. Uh, enjoy Star Wars, however you want to do it. Enjoy this podcast, and uh, may the Force be with you. <laughs>